0: Book Nine, Chapter Four of a Class Book of Old Testament History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio. A Class Book of Old Testament History by George Frederick McClear. Book Nine, Chapter Four The Rebellion of Absalom. 2 Samuel 13-20, B.C. 1032-1022 to The reduction of Rabbah was the last of David's conquests. His kingdom had reached the limits foretold to the patriarch Abraham, and vied in extent with some of the great empires of that age. But from this point dark clouds began to gather round his own personal history, and the doom denounced by the prophet found its fulfillment. The terrible secret of his adultery and murder may at first have been known only to a few, but its results were soon proclaimed upon the housetops. Out of the numerous harem which, in defiance of the law of the kingdom, he had multiplied to himself, out of his own household, came the instruments of his punishment. First, his daughter Tamar, was outraged by her half-brother and his eldest son, Amnon. Two years afterwards, Amnon fell a victim to the wrath of Tamar's own brother, Absalom, father of peace, who caused him to be murdered at a sheep-shearing festival, and then, apprehensive of the resentment of David, fled to the court of Talmai, his grandfather, the king of Jeshur, a district on the east of the Jordan, south of Mount Hermon second samuel thirteen thirty six here he remained secure in its rocky fastness for three years during which time the soul of david was consumed second samuel thirteen thirty nine margin with longing for his favourite son perceiving this joab availed himself of the services of a wise woman of techoa who sought an interview with the king and addressing him in an apologue similar to that which nathan had employed succeeded in obtaining permission for the exile's return joab therefore went to the court of the king of jeshur and thence brought back the young prince who took up his abode at jerusalem but was not suffered to see his father's face twice he sent a message to david's general begging him to intercede in his behalf with the king but Joab deemed he had done enough, and would take no further steps in the matter. Thereupon Absalom caused a barley field belonging to Joab, which was near his own estate, to be set on fire, and the latter, probably fearing further outrage, informed the king, who consented to see his son, and gave him the kiss of peace. 2 Samuel fourteen twenty-three to 33 But the ungrateful son was no sooner thus restored than he began to form plots against his father. First he surrounded himself with a small bodyguard, with chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. Then, to ingratiate himself with the people, he took his stand by the way of the gate, a duty which David appears to have neglected, and conversed with suitors coming up to the city for judgment lamented the delays they would encounter in obtaining a hearing of their causes second samuel fifteen three and insinuated how different would be the aspects of affairs if he was made judge in the land young handsome beyond compare in israel second samuel fourteen twenty five sprung from a royal house both on his father's and his mother's side second samuel three three he made a deep impression on the people, and his insinuating manners and unusual condensation stole away their hearts. Second Samuel fifteen six. Since the dark sin of which he had been guilty, the hold of the king upon the nation appears to have been weakened, and he had become less fitted for the more personal and more energetic duties of his position. And now the powerful tribe of Judah, fretting, it has been suggested, under their absorption into one great kingdom, or looking for some greater degree of power under the supremacy of a prince like Absalom, showed signs of a want of confidence in their sovereign, and in the course of two years Absalom perceived that matters were ripe for a revolt. Under pretense, therefore, of a vow which he had vowed to the Lord, Second Samuel 15, 7-9, he succeeded in obtaining from David permission to go to Hebron, the old capital of the tribe of Judah, and repaired thither accompanied by two hundred men from Jerusalem, probably of the chief families, who were, however, entirely ignorant of his designs. To the same place also he summoned Ahithophel the Gilonite, the familiar friend and counselor of his father, whose advice was deemed to have the value of a divine oracle. While Absalom was taking these measures, news of the conspiracy and of the popular feeling reached the royal palace. Instantly, without offering any resistance or striking a single blow in defense of his crown, David resolved on flight. Accompanied by the royal bodyguard and the 600 Gittites, and a vast concourse of people, he left Jerusalem, and early in the morning crossed the brook Kidron as far as the city boundaries he was also followed by the levites and the high priests zadok and abiathar with the ark but david had no wish to expose the sacred symbol to any risk and the two chiefs in the levitical tribe might do him better service at jerusalem accordingly they were bidden to turn back then crossing the ravine of the kidron with head covered and unsandaled feet his retinue manifesting every sign of profound sorrow, the king ascended the slopes of Olivet, and as he went received intelligence that his privy counsellor, Ahithophel, had gone over to the ranks of his rebellious son. In the defection of this man, his equal, his guide, his own familiar friend, he instantly saw his danger, and prayed that the counsel of Ahithophel might be turned into foolishness. 2 Samuel fifteen thirty one, Reaching the summit of the hill, he encountered Hushai the Archite, the king's friend, with torn robe and dust upon his head. In him David saw a fitting instrument for counteracting the influence of Ahithophel, and persuaded him to return to Jerusalem, and undertake the dangerous task of pretending a devotion to the cause of Absalom while really in conjunction with zadok and abiathar and their two sons he kept a strict watch over all that occurred hushai accordingly turned back and david descended the further slopes of olivet here he met ziba the wily servant of mephibosheth the son of his old friend jonathan with welcome supplies of wine bread and fruit Zeba represented that his master was staying behind at jerusalem awaiting any change in his fortunes which the rebellion might bring and as a reward for his services obtained a steady grant of his estates at Bahiram, a little further down the hill david encountered shimei a benjamite of the house of saul who flung stones at the royal retinue and imprecated them on the most furious curses in which he perhaps expressed the long pent-up hatred of the family of Saul, as well as the popular feeling against the author of Uriah's death. The impetuous Abishai would have instantly cut off his head, but David stayed his hand. Let him curse, said he, for the Lord hath bidden him. Second Samuel sixteen ten 10-12 The way now led into the Jordan Valley, and for the first time a weary retinue halted, and refreshed themselves with Ziba's welcome supplies. Meanwhile Absalom, with Ahithophel and a numerous retinue, had reached Jerusalem. There he met Hushai, who saluted him with the words, Long live the king! Even Absalom was startled, and reproached him for his apparent treachery, but kept him by him, The first step of the usurper, suggested by Ahithophel, was to take possession of his father's harem, and so render all reconciliation impossible. The course to be next taken was anxiously debated. Ahithophel was for instant measures, and offered with twelve thousand men to head a pursuit after David that very night, while he was weary and weak-handed if he smote the king he felt sure the whole people would side with absalom and his triumph would be complete the advice found favour with the usurper and the elders about him but first he resolved to call in hushai and ascertain his opinion hushai pronounced the plan imprudent in the extreme to attack the king while surrounded by his mighty men all chafing in their minds as a she-bear robbed of her whelps was very dangerous. From a partial defeat the prince had everything to fear and the king everything to gain. He counseled, therefore, delay, and the mustering of the entire national forces from Dan to Beersheba. Absalom approved of this plan, and Ahithophel, probably seeing the certain effects of such delay, and chagrined at the adoption of another's counsel in preference to his own, retired to Gilo, put his household in order, and hanged himself. 2 Samuel 27.23 Without a moment's delay Hushai now sought out Zadok and Abiathar, related all that had occurred in the council, and urged that a messenger should be instantly sent to David, to bid him not linger in the Jordan valley, but cross the river with all speed. The two sons of the high priests were in concealment at the fountain of Enrogal, ready for such an errand. A female slave was sent thither to bid them instantly carry the message to David. They forthwith started, but narrowly escaped detection. At Bahiram a lad saw them and conveyed the news to Absalom, and it was only by hiding in a well that they escaped the vigilance of their pursuers and announced their errand to David though it must have been midnight the king instantly crossed the river and before the dawn of the following day not one of his retinue remained on the western side of the jordan Mahanaim, the former capital of ishbosheth now became his headquarters and here he mustered his forces and placed them under the command of joab abishai and ittai and received a welcome supply of provisions from the shobai the son of his old friend nahash of Rabah from Meshir of Lodabar, and Barzillai, a wealthy Gileadite. Meanwhile, Absalom also had mustered his forces, and having entrusted the command to Amasa, the son of Ithra, or Jether, by Abigail, David's sister, Second Samuel, 1725, he too crossed the Jordan. The decisive engagement, which was not long delayed, took place not far from Mahanaim, in the dense forest of ephraim a region still covered with thick oaks and tangled bushes and thorny creepers growing over rugged rocks and ruinous precipices here the army of absalom was utterly routed entangled in the thick undergrowth crushing each other in remediless ruin upwards of twenty thousand perished in that fatal wood which devoured more people that day than the sword devoured second samuel 188 amidst the crowd of fugitives absalom also fled and as he rode on his mule where the strong arms of the tree spread out so near the ground that one cannot walk erect beneath them his long hair caught in an oak and he hung suspended from the tree a man chanced to see him and forthwith told joab he himself had forborne to touch the prince having heard the strict injunctions of the loving david to his three captains before the battle to deal tenderly with the young man but joab had no such scruples with three darts in his hand he went to the spot and transfixed him while yet alive a great pit was then dug and into it the corpse was flung and covered with a great heap of stones with the death of the usurper, Joab knew the rebellion was at an end. He therefore sounded the signal of recall, and the battle closed. Meanwhile David, who had been sitting at the gate of Mahanaim, anxiously awaiting tidings of the battle, no sooner heard that his son was dead than he gave way to the most violent grief. Joab alone dared to confront him, bidding him bestir himself if he would not see another popular revolt roused at last the king consented to present himself at the gate but he could not forget who had given the death-blow to his favourite son and even vowed to transfer the chieftaincy of the troops to amasa though he had led the forces on the other side and in this was laid the lasting breach between himself and his powerful nephew which neither the one nor the other ever forgave. The rebellion ended, the rightful monarch could return to his kingdom. With a self-control rare in western, no less than eastern history, every step in his progress was marked by forgiveness. Shammai was forgiven, Mephibosheth, proved to have been faithful, was partially reinstated, and Barzillai rewarded with ample gifts. Second Samuel fourteen sixteen through forty three, but the danger was not yet over. In bringing about the king's return, his own tribe of Judah had the largest share. This provoked the old jealousy of the other tribes. While well, the Benjamites even took up arms and placed themselves under the leadership of Sheba, son of Bishri, a man of Mount Ephraim. Many others also rallied round him, and when Amasa, the new general and chief, failed within three days to muster the forces of Judah, David was afraid, lest more harm should come of this fresh rising than had come from that of Absalom. Accordingly, Abishai, with the mighty men, was dispatched to quell the insurrection, and to pursue after Sheba before he reached any fortified towns taking with him the royal bodyguard abishai accompanied by joab set out and at the great stone of gibeon encountered amasa joab's robe was girded round his waist and in the folds was a sword which by accident or design protruded from the sheath art thou in health my brother he saluted amasa and took him by the beard as if to kiss him the other rushed into his embrace and was instantly stabbed to the heart, his blood spurting out upon his cousin's girdle and sandals, leaving the body in the road. Joab hurried on after Sheba, who rousing the tribes as he passed, had made for Abel Beth Mackah, a town of some importance, far up in the north by the waters of Miram. thither Joab rushed in pursuit, threw up an embankment, and battered the walls. A wise woman saved the town from destruction. Approaching the wall, she gained a parley with the angry general, who promised to leave the place if Sheba was put to death. Thereupon she returned to her people, and the head of the rebel was soon flung into Joab's camp, who straightway sounded a trumpet and with his troops returned to Jerusalem. Second Samuel, twenty twenty two. End of book nine, chapter four. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio.